Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the one who leads us into all truth. And we thank you that you are the one who makes Jesus real to us and gives us the strength to walk in his light and to his glory. So, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would really speak to each one of us now, that you would teach us, that you'd encourage us and strengthen us to be what each one of us is meant to be and what we're all meant to be together here at St. John's. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, yes, this is a follow-on from last week's talk. We're going to build upon what Tom shared about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I know a lot of people were buzzing and talking and thinking through. It sounded to me as if the time had been just right to look again at the work of the Holy Spirit. So here we go. We're going to be in Galatians today. And it's worth just having a bit of background on the book. And then we're homing in on a few pieces of teaching, including Jesus's, about the work of the Holy Spirit. And above all, about the freedom of the Holy Spirit and our freedom in him, Galatians 5 verse 1. So this letter, St. Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, uh, part of modern-day Turkey, was one of the early letters. It was written probably only about 20 years after the death of Jesus. So it's pretty adjacent to people's real-time memories of what Jesus had done and who he was. It's one of Paul's most important letters, I think. You'll probably see why I'm saying that a bit later. Like Romans, it sets out very, very clearly that salvation comes only through faith in Jesus Christ and that none of us can get to heaven through our own efforts. It just won't work. It was Martin Luther's rediscovery of this basic theological truth uh, about the fact that we can't, through works, earn our way into renewed fellowship with God and eternal life with him. And he did it through looking at Galatians. That was the book that really turned Martin Luther's thinking and ended up with the massive Reformation, the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century across Europe, much of Europe. And we heard a few weeks ago about John Wesley. I just said a bit about him because his heart was strangely warmed and he became a Christian, assured of his salvation after many years as a vicar, being unable to have that assurance. You know, somebody who was really working hard to please God and then suddenly realized through the book of Galatians and actually through Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians that it wasn't up to our efforts at all. It was all up to Jesus and us simply trusting him for our salvation. And of course, the result of that was that John Wesley stopped relying on his own efforts and his cleverness, because he was clever, and he went over the whole of this country on horseback for many years. And I don't know how many people have been estimated to be saved through John Wesley's preaching ministry, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was hundreds of thousands, not just many thousands. He really made a huge difference to this country at the time. 
or because he'd understood, as others had lived things out, uh, the way that Galatians was talking about. So, Galatians was written to young churches in Galatia. These churches were getting things wrong. These young Christians were being led astray. Not in the way you might have thought about, but by people who were very seriously saying, this is how you do it. And these people were known as Judaizers. They were people trying to take the new Gentile Christians, non-Jews, back into the old ways of 603 or so Jewish laws, of going back to the Old Testament times and trying to live up to the Ten Commandments, which, as we all know, is the equivalent of us, through our own efforts, through works, trying to be good enough. And, of course, we all fall short. And the Galatians were in danger of falling back on old legalistic ways and not having the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. So let's have a look at just these few key parts of chapter 5 in Galatians and see what it says about the Holy Spirit and what he can and will do for us if we let him. The next bit I've got is I've put the one source of true freedom. The first verse, Galatians 5.1, says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What St. Paul is saying is don't go back to the old ways. Enjoy your new freedom that Jesus has won for you. I'm going to define the nature of that freedom a little bit later. It's, it's long been a very popular notion, hasn't it, freedom? Loads of songs about freedom. Lots of politicians talk about freedom. Lots of philosophers have uh, and writers and many who have been enslaved to others. The idea of freedom under the gospel is really exciting. Unfortunately, all sorts of very human people uh, misuse the word and act completely differently to what Jesus has in mind and what St. Paul had in mind when they talked about freedom. Paul's central message here is that it is only the Son of God, Jesus, who can free us from whatever and whoever enslaves us. Whatever dominates your life, whatever it may be, if it's not Jesus, that is part of the flesh, the old ways, and the sinful nature will be to the, the fore. We all share that sinful nature where we find it so hard to do the right thing and to even know what the right thing is. We are only truly free, is what this one verse is saying, when we have given our lives to Jesus and we follow him and we're to stand firm in that faith, relying only on him and what he's done for us. With Jesus, there are no suspended sentences. There are no chains still entangling us and dragging us down. There are no dungeons to be imprisoned in spiritually. There might be in other ways because of the world we live in. Once Jesus has freed us, our future is in his hands and our life, our 
human life in this world is secure and above all our freedom in the next life is secure as well our future is safe with Jesus once he has freed us um, we really are able to be the people we were created to be now I'm going to mention another Wesley I'm sorry about this but I've got to uh, because of some words Charles Wesley wrote many years ago, 1738, when he too was converted and became just about the greatest hymn writer ever, I think. So 1738, after his conversion, he wrote these words in a very famous hymn, And Can It Be, verse 4. And this gives a flavour of the freedom that Jesus has won for us and which we can enjoy through the Holy Spirit. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee that really feels like a post-conversion hymn doesn't it where you you know he's full of joy and feels free as he never has before because he's trusted in Jesus and he knows he is a, a completely changed person I just want to go back to New Testament teaching from Jesus himself about freedom in John 8 Jesus told his disciples some truths about freedom Jesus said, in John 8, verses 31 to 32, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then a bit later, just four verses on, in John 8, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And, of course, the Son, with a capital S, that Jesus is talking about is himself, the Son of God. In Galatians, therefore, Paul's teaching is true to his Lord's teaching, to our Lord's teaching, about the source of freedom. It's Jesus himself. This is not a new concept that uh, Jesus and Paul sort of came up with out of the blue, we can go back to that very famous verse in Isaiah 61, the one that Jesus uh, read out in uh, the synagogue in Nazareth. Didn't go down too well with some of his hearers, but all he did was say, this has been fulfilled today in your presence. In other words, I am this person that Isaiah was talking about. This is what it says, Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives. We have a Lord who is all about releasing us. Yes, from sins, but from other things as well. The Holy Spirit has always been central to God's plans. His actions in creation and his work in our lives but fundamentally it is Jesus who sets us free we don't 
and we can't make ourselves free. However good we might be in human terms, we just can't do it. Freedom in the Holy Spirit, which is our theme for today, is a gift of Jesus, undeserved, given to us and received by us when we trust in him. What does this mean day to day for us? What does it mean uh, for you and me, for all of us together? Well, I think it means two things, two lists of things, which I've just put together, but maybe other things as well. Because Jesus has freed us from certain things, which is kind of past influences mainly, and he's freed us for another list of things. So there's a kind of a past tense and a current and future tense to this. I'm just going to give you a flavour of this. Firstly, what has Jesus set us all free from when we trusted in him? Firstly, the terrible consequences of our sins. Through his saving death on the cross, the resurrection, ascension, and the sending of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has freed us from the consequences of sin. All our sins ever committed in the past, today, and in the future. He's also set us free from the grip of God's law, which as sinners we just can't keep. So we get depressed, we, you know, that's what happens when we rely on our own efforts. We just never succeed, we never get it right. We're simply too sinful, too human. There's never been anybody who lived but Jesus who was able to keep God's law and to please God. Thirdly, um, linked to the last one, Jesus has freed us from reliance on our own inadequate efforts to restore our friendship, our fellowship with God. He's freed us from pointless and ultimately empty lives. Jesus wants us to have life in all its fullness, abundant life, John 10.10. Jesus has freed us as well from the debilitating worries, anxieties, pressures and cares of daily life, the things that get us down and drive us around the bend. We are actually freed from that. We don't need to revert to those kinds of anxieties. Jesus has freed us, finally, from the fear of death and of missing out on heaven. That's a big, big one for many of us when we get to whatever age, really. I mean, our lives are quite precarious. But Jesus has dealt with that. He has freed us so that we can enjoy life without the fear of death and of ultimately missing out on heaven. So there's the freedoms from and they are massive if we were to live out our lives in the holy spirit enjoying the freedoms that jesus has won for us then wow but there's more there's even more to come and this is perhaps the challenging bit for us because those freedoms give us a sort of status with god a position in fellowship with him but jesus has freed us from uh, for things as well it's not just something that's been accomplished by Jesus. It's something that he will do and will continue to do through the Spirit in our lives. So Jesus has freed us 
for lives of service to him and to each other. As we read later in Galatians 5.13, we are to serve one another in love. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul said this, Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus has freed us for living lives for him, not living for ourselves anymore. The next one, Jesus has freed us for renewed fellowship with the Father so that we can enjoy the Father's presence in our lives and he can enjoy ours as we come to him. And this is exactly what God has always intended for us. We were created to have fellowship with him. It was to be a, we were to be a blessing to him just as he wishes to bless us. The third one is Jesus has freed us for growth in our knowledge and love of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's also freed us for life in the Spirit, living by the Spirit and in the freedom of the Spirit as we follow the Spirit's promptings and as he opens up the Bible's truth so that we really begin to understand it. And as we heard earlier, our lives will be fruitful. They will be full of spiritual fruit. Uh, and the Spirit will help us to control our sinful natures if we fulfill what God wants for us. That's what Jesus has freed us for. Not just to be smugly saved, but to actually be humbly busy in serving God as the Holy Spirit prompts us to serve him. And then finally, in terms of four, that's finally from me. There's probably loads more that you can work out for yourselves as you read Galatians 5. Jesus has freed us for proclaiming in the power of the Holy Spirit the truth of the gospel. That's what the church is for. Not to be a holy club where we have a lovely time on Sundays, have coffee together and smile a lot and then go home and be what we used to be. It's not meant to be like that. We are called to be free, but we're not perfect. So what I've done is probably share all sorts of really positive things there, which we feel, but I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I don't live like that. Not yet. It's very easy to revert to our old ways. We are still people with a sinful nature. There's a tug of war, I think, going on here. In Romans, you know, there's this huge tug of war process of the flesh and the spirit of God's way and our way. So we're not to be naive, but we are on the winning side. If it's Jesus who gives freedom from and freedom for, it's a freedom that he can achieve in each one of our lives as we rely on the Spirit's work. We're heading towards the end. I just want to add a little bit here. Um, This may be wrong theologically, but I'm going to share it. I got the feeling as I prepared this that it's right to look at freedom in this way. Jesus has set us free, as we've heard. It's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives who keeps us free as we pay attention to him and allow him to work in us, to grow his fruit in us, then we're kept free and can enjoy that freedom to the full, as Jesus always intended. 
So one of the Holy Spirit's most vital roles is to keep us moving forward in the wonderful new freedoms that Jesus has won for us. Through the Spirit, each one of us is a new creation, said St. Paul. We're brand new beings. You know, we're changed. Um, We're going to be more like Jesus if we grow into the new character that we can all be. But being realistic, of course, whilst we are citizens of God's kingdom, we belong to God's kingdom, we need to steer our way through a sinful and dark world, which is antagonistic to Jesus. We all know this day to day. It's not plain sailing. It's tough being a Christian if we live lives which are different to those of others around us. The powerful passage here on the acts of the sinful nature which is pretty um uh i don't know what you call it sort of frightening really and the power (coughs) of the devil to spoil things and our sinful natures to reassert themselves (coughs) excuse me it's still there pulling us back and it contrasts with that lovely passage about the fruit of the spirit (coughs) there are two ways to go to be like we perhaps used to be with the sinful nature to the fore, or to be more and more like Jesus as the Holy Spirit works in us and creates fruitfulness in our lives. The way of the sinful nature is one of bondage, of being enslaved to sin, to whatever. The other way is one of new and eternal freedoms and security. Two ways. But there's only one way to God. There's only one way that's pleasing, and it's through Jesus. However, another warning about all this, just to be realistic, as St. Paul well knew, and most of the apostles too, they knew that being a Christian was costly, that enjoying new freedoms meant giving up our lives for the Lord, maybe literally Most of the apostles were martyred for their faith. They enjoyed the new freedom. They did great things for the Lord in the power of the Spirit. But it wasn't half costly. And it's costly for us because it's difficult. And it can be very, very costly if we are in dangerous positions. And it is becoming a more dangerous world. This is what Paul said about this in Galatians 5. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. We have to make a conscious effort to be right with him, to let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. Early Christians were known as followers of, capital T, capital W, the way. We find this in Acts, in Acts 9 and Acts 24. Followers of the way. I think that's really appropriate because it was Jesus who said I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me there is only one way that leads to heaven and it's through Jesus it's a way of new freedoms but it's a way of giving up old things it's it's, there's all these paradoxes but Jesus has won victory for us to be truly free, to be the people we're meant to be. And finally, keeping in step with the Spirit, 
which we read about in Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, in the Greek, very briefly, not that I understand Greek at all, this is what it means, said Leon Morris, one of the big commentators of recent years. The Greek word for walk used here is stoikio, and excuse the pronunciation too. This means to be in line with, to stand beside a person or a thing, to hold on to, to agree with, and to follow. That's what it means to keep in step with the Spirit, to stand beside him, to be conscious of him with us, to hold on to the truth that he reveals, and to follow him day by day as he prompts us in the way that he wants us to go. We have a new life of freedom in the Spirit. But are we in lockstep, if we're honest today, with him? Are we truly walking with him or are we walking alone? One is the right way, the one way, and one is the way that doesn't really lead us anywhere that's of any use in this world and in the next. Just to make this a bit simpler, I'm going to go to our source book and read out a small section and then we will be just about finished. This is what it says about this freedom in the Holy Spirit. Our freedom, our new life in Christ, is a free gift of grace, not of ourselves in any way. Paul calls us to keep in step, to run the race, to be transformed. This is a calling to lifelong cooperation with the Spirit's work, transforming our personalities, growing the fruit of the Spirit, and changing us into the likeness of Christ. But it is not automatic. We can hinder the Spirit's work in our lives and in our communities. And absolutely finally, I picked up on this thought, which I think is quite helpful to us as we seek to achieve those things with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's from a commentator called David Gusick, who we've used before. We often see, he says, our circumstances or other people as being our main problems that pull us back. St. Augustine, however, often used to pray, Lord, deliver me from that evil man, myself. With that kind of reality check, we can see a new world and a new life. And not one other person or one other circumstance has to change. The externals, the influences, the difficult things, they could all stay the same. What we must do is yield to the Spirit of God and begin to truly walk in the Holy Spirit. We can enjoy more fully the freedom of the Holy Spirit in the following ways, just some thoughts. You may well have others as the Lord prompts you. By praying to the Holy Spirit daily, we may well pray in all sorts of ways, but are we conscious of the Holy Spirit who we've been given? It's his fruit that will be shown in our lives. Let's speak to him day by day. 
by allowing him to grow and show in us his fruit in our lives, be amenable to change, to his promptings, his guidance. Then we will all, each one of us, begin to walk more closely, in line with, in step with the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus wants. It's precisely why he sent the Holy Spirit, that the freedoms he's won for us, the salvation we have in him, might be as pleasing to God as it can possibly be, as the Spirit works in us and makes us more like Jesus. Amen. Let's just be quiet for a moment and perhaps respond to whatever the Holy Spirit has particularly said to you today.